Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Our message today is called, When Jesus Changes the Story. And our text is from the Gospel of Luke, the fourth chapter, the 21st through the 30th verses. Then Jesus began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself, and you will say, Do here also in your hometown the things we have heard you did in Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine all over the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them except a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. Now, when they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove Jesus out of town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. I decided to read all of that text because I think it has a surprising twist which we sometimes may overlook. Jesus returns to his hometown. He has gained some notoriety out in the world as a miracle worker, a healer, and so his neighborhood is buzzing. Everybody remembers this shy, scrawny kid who used to hang around with his father, the carpenter. But now he's back. He's grown and making a name for himself, a preacher, a teacher, a savior. So he sits down and reads from the Holy Word. It's a powerful proclamation of good news for the poor, the oppressed. Then he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. As they listen, the villagers are taken by this young rabbi's style, his voice, his gracious manner. They are frankly astonished that someone from their own community could speak like this. They're all familiar with his words, though they're not quite sure what he means when he says, the scripture is fulfilled today. But before they have time to figure that out, Jesus really gets their attention. He repeats a story they know well the prophet Elijah's feeding of the starving widow at Zarephath. That's text. That's old, you know, Hebrew Bible text. Jesus is interpreting that story, however, in a strange new way. He declares, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine all over the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them. Now the crowd begins to murmur. There is tension in the air. That's not the way they're used to hearing the story. Jesus has changed the focus from the healing power of God's prophet to the fact that the woman he healed was not a Jew. 
Zarephath was a city in Sidon, modern-day Lebanon. In a drought-stricken, famine-ridden land of many Jewish widows, God has chosen to move in the life of somebody who is a non-believer. And Jesus goes on to say Elijah heals the foreign widow's son. The crowd around is getting riled up. Why is he talking about outsiders? Jesus, seemingly unaware of the anger of the crowd, tells another story. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. You remember the story of Naaman, the sick soldier who goes to Elisha's house, is told by a messenger to wash seven times in the Jordan, and ultimately is healed? Naaman is a commander in Syrian, again, not an Israelite. As a matter of fact, his country, that's the enemy. The neighborhood is in an uproar. How dare you? This is like coming to a red state and announcing more federal dollars are up for a blue state. People are angry. God sent Jesus on a new mission. He came to offer the whole world something new that would begin with the Israelites, but then would spread outward. And he knew that everybody wasn't going to be happy about him. That's why he said earlier, no prophet is really welcome in his hometown. People were going to have a hard time reaching out to people who were not like them. People were going to have a hard time with change, and Jesus knew this. The Israelites were people who always relished and revered history, and history told them that God's plan was just for them. The people around the temple were outraged that one of their own had the audacity to sit among them and say, no, 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 this plan goes out to the world. They didn't understand how big God is. You see, this is how God always works, unfolding new narratives or seemingly new narratives in new places in surprising new ways. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Now this was God's plan from the very beginning. But people focus on what they want to focus. According to Luke, this incident happens at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He has come to the synagogue to lay out the purpose of his mission. And if you go back to verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, proclaim freedom for the prisoners, and recovery of sight for the blind, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God sent Jesus to deliver us out of sin, to to bring us into reconciliation with God and into service to establish God's kingdom of love and justice. Now, everybody in Jesus' hometown loved that. But you see, the challenge came around this notion of justice because we don't always see that for everybody. Justice usually means just us. But Jesus turned that around this day. He says, you are not to be concerned only about your own. You are to be concerned about your neighbors, even the ones that you consider your enemies. Now, when the temple folk figure out that Jesus is not talking only about them, they try to run him off a cliff (laughs) because they saw this favor, God's favor, as falling on them. They were the chosen people. They were the insiders. Theirs would be the kingdom of God. The widow of Zarephath, the commander from Syria, they were outsiders. What did they do to inherit God's kingdom? Well, the bigger question is, 
God's gracious salvation has never been limited to who we are. What did any of us do to inherit it? We are sinners saved by grace. That's why Jesus came to spread the good news to the world. God's plan is not just for you and me. God's plan is for everybody. What did any of us do to inherit God's favor? The answer is nothing. We love to speak of a God of justice, but it's much harder to really grasp the magnitude of God's justice, the magnitude of God's grace. God's thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are holier. His word is flawless. And this is the part I will never understand. He still takes interest in us. He loves us, this high and holy God, this omnipotent, omniscient God still wants us. You remember the Samaritan woman, the woman who met Jesus at the well? She had lived a life that resulted in disgrace. And when Jesus met her and began to talk to her and and really kind of unfold her story, he reached her in places like no one else had before. And when that happened, everything changed for her. By the time they finish their conversation, she rushes out and starts preaching to everybody she meets. Come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. Is this not the Christ? And the same story that brought her shame was now a testimony that brought others to Christ. Whether he alters the content or the context, Jesus can change your story. Each one of us is the product of all the stories we've heard and of others that have been thrust upon us. And a lot of these stories make us feel and act less than our best selves. I can't because daddy didn't. Mama couldn't. Nobody ever would. But here's what the word promises that when Jesus steps into your world, everything changes. Jesus came to give the world abundant life. A lot of believers who love the Lord can find ourselves stuck in that stale, old, crusty story. We are reminded to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not to lean on our own understanding. Many of us don't want Jesus to get too far into our stuff. The painful truth is, if you let Jesus deep into your heart, you're going to have to let some stuff go. It may be your deepest wounds, or it may be the way you look at the world. But Jesus can change your story. In God's salvation, you can be free. In God's forgiveness, you can let go. With God's love, you can have the courage to to love yourself and to move on. My prayer today is that you will open your heart and ask Jesus to change your story. An unchanging God who is always doing something new. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. 
visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign if you love